Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 220 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. I am really excited for today's podcast. Today I am interviewing Daphne, Lydia's mom, and Daphne is doing something really exciting that I know all of you are going to want to hear about. And I think many of you might want to participate in as well. So you make sure to listen closely and listen all the way to the very end. And Daphne and I will let you know how you can be involved in a very special Grieving Moms project. Right now, just sit back and enjoy listening to Daphne, Lydia's mom. Thank you so much, Daphne, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am really looking forward to talking to you. And I don't want to start too much by going into what brought us together, but we'll get to that later, I guess. I guess I don't want to go too much into it. But why don't you start out now by just telling us all about your daughter, Lydia? Okay. Oh, Lydia, she was my firstborn child. Wow. And in 2002, I was 26 years old and had no idea what I was doing as a mom. (laughs) Right. And um, here she came and she was a little spitfire from day one. And she was strawberry blonde hair, just kind of round, pudgy, had this vibrant, charismatic personality and was kind of a magnet for people. She had not a shy bone in her body, super outgoing, loved everybody. And one quality I really love about her was she didn't care what anybody thought of her. She dressed herself in the most craziest outfits, nothing ever matched. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to make you match. You do you. And she came out with some of the craziest colorful outfits. Um, I just, it makes me smile thinking about it today. I just love that part of her. So she had a Lydia style. She had her own style. She had her own style. Yeah. She was a little bit of sass, you know, very, very smart for, she was five and just, you know, loved people. And she loved God. She loved going to church. She just was so full of life. Like just, it just emanated out of her. Just personality was (laughs) larger than the room. And so then she became a big sister too, because you have other kids. And a couple years later, and she adored her little brother. Um, she loved dress up. She loved dancing and she would dress him up, dance with him. Wild, fun stuff. She just loved spending time with him and she loved being a big sister. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So do you want to talk about what happened but then with Lydia? So it was July 16th, 2008. Um, beautiful summer morning. And I worked in a town about 30 miles away as a probation officer. 
And she and her little brother went to preschool up there close to my work. And we were on our way to work one morning and we were involved in a car accident on the highway, the highway we had driven, you know, for years. Right. And it just one of those things you don't expect it. It was, it was awful. And it was her brother and I and her in the car, just the three of us. And mm-hmm. there was a truck in the middle of the highway. It, I just, I don't know. It just, it still gets to me this time, you know, 15 years later, I can still go back and be there sure, instantly. Sure. Like if I choose to, I could go back to that exact moment. Like I'm sure all of us can. Absolutely. You know, and I, but I, that away, cause that's not something I need to dwell on, but it's, I'll, you know, I'll never forget it. So it was a whirlwind. I find myself what just happened in this wrecked car. I was, you know, full of panic trying to open the doors. I couldn't open my door. It was crushed in on me. And Lydia was behind me, behind the driver's seat. And um, all I heard was my son screaming in the back. So I couldn't get out my door. I climbed out the passenger door um, into the back. Lydia was unconscious in the back seat and I grabbed my son, comforted him, went around and checked on Lydia. I I didn't know what to do. Um, I was trying to dial my cell phone for help and my hands were shaking so bad. I couldn't dial the, yeah, I'm sure I, I, um, and then the, the truck in front of me came out and he called for help. And I remember sitting with my son who was three at the time and we just sat in the ditch, you know, in these weeds and gravel, just waiting for help. When I was just shaking, praying, crying, you know, just like in shock, just like, it was like a dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to console him. It's yeah. so funny. Cause I, I just go right back there too. I mean, I'm sure you can, I, I can literally feel right now yes. oh, as we yeah, talk, just... I can feel what that grass felt like sitting in the ditch. I mean, it's just like, so those memories just uh-huh. stick with uh-huh. you. They just, you can't get, I mean, you right. want to get them out in a way, but then in another way you don't. Um, it's, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. It's so hard. Yeah, it is. You know, and I, I <laughs> even that moment, I, I still never forget it. And I, it even affects my parenting today of my three-year-old boy, who's now yeah. 18, almost 19. <laughs> you know, I still envision him, that little three-year-old boy. It, it's kind of, it's it's definitely different. The helicopter came, you know, and took Lydia to a, a hospital. We're in Oregon, so they flew her to Portland, Oregon. And my husband at the time ended up going up there to be with her. I was taken by ambulance to another hospital. And my my son, he was checked out right on scene and just had a tiny little scratch on his wow. wrist. And he was wow. he was okay. I had a broken elbow. Um bump on my head that, you know, my face was a little bit messed up in my arm. Um, my arm was pretty bad, but other than that, I was okay. And I just remember that long hospital stay that day. This was at like seven fifteen in the morning when this all happened. And I remember in the emergency room, I kept saying, where's Lydia? How's Lydia over and over and over again. And they would just come and tell me, we'll go check and we'll get back to you. We're going to go call and we're going to, you know, let you know, and this went on for hours. Of course I had no concept of time, but I just remember that was my only focus about that. And 
it was devastating, you know, with the police coming in and out. I had one coworker that waiting for me at work who came to the hospital and met me and stayed with me that whole day. And my husband later showed up that afternoon and broke the news to me that Lydia had passed away. So he had to be up there by himself then? He was up there with one of his coworkers had went up with him to be with her. So he, yeah, I, that was another moment, you know, you'll never forget. And I just remember the the gut-wrenching disbelief, yeah, wailing cries, you know, that came from me that I just, what is, no, like, yeah, it just was. Yeah. You just can't believe it. I mean, you just can't believe it. No, no, you can't believe it. Yeah. You just don't want to believe it. I think, and a lot of your head doesn't want you to let you believe it because if you, if you do believe it, right. Then you have to truly feel Mm -hmm. it. So I only Mm -hmm. think your mind lets you take in so much right. at a time, right? Yes. Because I just don't know how you'd get through it if you felt it all every moment. So I think that just mm-hmm. oh gosh, denial no. just coming back and back, this just can't be happening, is your body's way of like helping you. Survival mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Such trauma. Like a <laughs> Oh, and one thing, though, that was amazing, the hospital was the chaplains. They, oddly, we worked in law enforcement, and we had met some of the chaplains, you know, through the years earlier. So we were kind of familiar with them, and they were right there on scene, you know, and stayed with us for, you know, a couple weeks after, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was such a blessing. They sat, I remember one of them sat with me in the hospital, and it told me before you can leave at like seven o'clock at night, you need to talk to your son and tell him what happened. You know, his sister, sister's in heaven now. His sister's not, you know, going to be coming home tonight. That kind of, that was just (laughs) unreal that I was even able to process that, you know, yeah, at that point in time. But yeah, it was (sighs) such a whirlwind. Um, but then we went home and I think that first, first night was the longest night of my life. (laughs) I remember that night going on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, I didn't want to see the sunrise the next day. I did not. No, because you don't think it should even rise. No, no. The no, fact that the don't. world is still going when yours has just completely felt like it's collapsed. Yes. I yeah. mean, it's just impossible yeah. to wrap your head around. It is. It's so it's... funny that we have this conversation today because coming up here in just a couple weeks from the release, maybe even just very short time from now, actually, mm-hmm. from when this is going to be released, will be the first Andy Larson Memorial Concert, oh. which has been a long time coming, right? Wow. It's been five years. Uh-huh. And so I've been today doing that, doing a write-up for mm-hmm. the concert program. Oh, wow. And reliving that day a little bit, yeah. right? Oh. Reliving that moment. And that phone call when I had to call the choir director because I didn't want him to find out on the news. And oh, I'm so just, sorry. Ugh. Just all of that. So it's funny that we end up having this conversation like literally minutes after I I stop writing for that. Oh, Because you don't want to always let yourself go there, do you? I mean, you can't. No. And I think you really have to intentionally try not to go there sometimes. Yeah. Like, it, you know, and there are times when I do want to go yeah. there, you know. Yeah. To, to have that closeness in a, you know, in a weird way, but I don't want to go back to the awful stuff, but it's, it's, it's there and it's always there. And it's when you want to have those moments. 
Well, and for me, I, I have had to do that a fair amount just uh -huh. because, you know, I travel that path a lot and that PTSD yeah. was pretty bad for me yeah. and, yes. and driving yeah. again was difficult and oh, all of gosh. those things are really difficult. So I've had to work on that with my therapist a lot. And then I actually stopped seeing my therapist for a while and now I'm seeing her again because it just, oh. you know, <laughs> yes. it's like as much yeah. as I don't want to like work through that uh -huh. memory, those memories, mm -hmm. it's important to do it sometimes to try to it make is. it less acute maybe less sharp um yeah. yeah oh absolutely i i went to counseling for you know kind of like you did for a few years and i stopped and then i went yeah. back you know and i think that's exactly what i needed because i think you know we're in different chapters in life and things happen and it just kind of turns things up and new situations arise it's like no we need to we need to process that some more it's funny because you think yeah. like, okay, I think probably I'm okay. Probably this is fine. And then you realize, no, yeah. not really. I'm not. No. Yeah. And you know, we just yeah. had our five-year anniversary not too long ago and that threw me okay. into another kind of, Get it. Yeah. kind of just spinning, feeling like I'm spinning out of control for almost a month just because like, how can it be? Yeah. How can it be? Right. I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, in July, I just, it was 15 years. Right. And I thought, oh my goodness, how is that even imaginable? Like, no way. And I remember thinking when I went to my first Compassionate Friends meeting, um, just a couple weeks after she had passed away, thinking, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. This is, you know, it was horrible yeah. for yeah. me. It was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I stared at the floor and just sobbed. And I'm like, this is not where I... Like, I don't belong here. Yes. That was my initial reaction. And then I would hear stories from other people around the table and they were, you know, three years out, five years out, you know, 15 years out. I was like, oh my gosh, they scared me. I was like, no way I can't. There's no way I can live that yeah. long with this pain. Yeah. That is so funny because those are the exact <laughs> thoughts that went through my head. Exactly. I mean, I was, we were three yeah. weeks out. All that kept yeah. going through my head again and again and again was, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. You're not one of these people. Yeah. Get away, flee, run, right? right? I just wanted yeah. to run. Yes. And and when we left, yeah. and it's so funny because it's Starlight Ministries and I'm a facilitator for them now. So obviously I didn't, oh I didn't end up leaving. But I, I really, when I left, I was ready to never go back because it was that mm -hmm. like horrible for me in the moment. And my husband is the yeah. one that said, that was really good. That was really helpful. We need to go back. And, then, and my kids were like, I don't want to go back. And I said to them, well, dad, really, it was really good for dad. So we're all going for dad. Yeah. So we're all going back. <laughs> Even though I think I just wasn't ready. I think it was too early. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember yeah. Gwen, who, you know, is kind of a co-facilitator on a pretty regular basis on this podcast. Uh -huh. When I had said, when I met her, and she said when the first session was, and I said, yep, we're going. I think she kind of thought it might be a little early for you, but she didn't say that. She wasn't going to dissuade us for yeah. going, but I think it was yeah. a little early for me, really. I, it, but it was yeah. perfect for my husband. So everyone's think, time course is a little bit different. It's different. Right? He needed that it, at yeah. three weeks and I didn't, but I grew into needing it. But yes. I'm like you. Yeah. I remember the facilitator saying, because mm -hmm. somebody said, how long did it take you to feel normal? 
And she oh, said, <laughs> she said nine years. And I oh, completely wow. freaked that's, out because I thought, that's so scary. I thought oh my yeah. word, I can't feel like this for nine years. No, no, it's so scary. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, like, there's, it's no, you just can't. No. And, and I know now that she didn't mean she felt like that. Like I was at that moment right. at three weeks. Yeah. Feeling yeah. that. You know, she didn't feel like that for nine years until and then suddenly one day <laughs> woke up the next day feeling normal. Yeah. It was a very gradual right. process. And I think she hit yeah. at about the nine year mark and thought, yeah, OK, I think I'm pretty I'm 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 mm-hmm. back to maybe like a normal person now. I'm I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I'm, of course, I'm not even at nine years either. So I don't know. Well, you know, I think every year is different and you know, it's all different for all of us. And I remember my counselor, when I first walked in there, she told me, you know, on average, it takes three to five years to even come to terms with the death of a child. And I was thinking, oh my, I just was like, no way. Right. Like, no, there has to be a way to make me feel better. There has to be a way, like, tell me it's going to be okay. Like, tell me and Nobody could. She couldn't. Nobody did. Well, and that idea of three to five years is just terrifying. It is. It is. It, it doesn't give. I didn't like it because it doesn't give you any hope. Yeah. It gives you. It, like, I can barely make it through a day at that yeah. point. Like you're telling me I have to go. Well, and three to five years to even. And well, yeah. and see, I know I was going to say now and now, you know, I, I don't know how much you're mm-hmm. in involved in the grief world, which I totally uh-huh. am now, but you know, the, yeah. um, they, uh, the American psychological association or whatever it's has uh-huh. determined this prolonged grief disorder is defined as uh-huh. if you're act having this active grief where you're not progressing or one thing, yeah. you're still oh, feeling uh-huh. symptoms yeah. a year, which I was like, that's oh, crazy. Goodness. That is crazy. That's crazy. Because every yeah. parent who's lost a child is still actively grieving at a year and I feel like you still have an element of shock that you can't even believe that it's happened at a year yes oh absolutely and oftentimes after a year things start to feel more real Mm -hmm. and can actually be worse and so the whole fact that they kind of acted like this should be some sort of clean process that you're okay at a year oh my goodness it's just (laughs) insanity to me I mean I understand what they're going for because what they're going for yeah, it, it completely is. It's like, no way. It's being part of medicine, you know, uh, is that you want to have stuff covered by insurance. Uh-huh. And so I think what they okay. meant, mm-hmm. yeah. their intentions were that if you are still really mm-hmm. struggling on a day-to-day basis to function, probably insurance should cover counseling uh-huh. for you. So that I can see, but the fact that it's make it makes it somehow abnormal sure. and that you're now have a psychiatric diagnosis, mm-hmm. it's just not okay. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I remember that at work, they made me retake a psychological evaluation after it happened when I returned to work. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, <laughs> I was not happy about that. It was like a, yeah, it was like just a big blow to my self-esteem or I don't know what it was. I was like, are you kidding? Like, no, like I'm still the same person, but I'm not, but it doesn't, I don't know. (laughs) So many thoughts on that, but. It's so funny because I just gave a talk at my office about grief and grieving and how to help grieving families. Cause obviously I'm a pediatrician. And Uh so I gave a talk to my colleagues. And then one of the questions Uh that came up was what could we have done differently? (laughs) Like as an office, 
And I thought, oh, well, that's not where I really wanted <laughs> no, to go wow. because they, they did do quite a bit of stuff in the wrong way. And one of them was yeah. not sure. trusting me when I said, I'm okay to go back, then mm -hmm. I'm okay to go back, right? Because you are in a fog and yeah. things do yeah. seem, you know, confusing and it's hard to think and all of that stuff happens mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. throes of grief. But I think, you know, when some of uh -huh. that fog wears off and when you feel like you can do your job well. Yeah, I think so. And I also think that, yeah, it's like, I think we need that to give our, keep us, you know, not with the dark cloud over, you know, it gives, keeps us busy. It gives us a little bit of purpose, like going back to the routine to, you know, a little bit of normalcy um, and day-to-day -day functioning where we're not, you know, submerged in such deep grief 24 seven. Like we get that when we go home. Absolutely. But yeah, it gives a little bit of a reprieve. Exactly right. And because as I said earlier, you can't feel it 24 seven. Right. Yeah. If you try to feel it 24-7, I don't know how anyone gets up out of bed. The mm -hmm. only way you can get up out of bed and take a shower and oh, do no, a few things yeah. is if you take a little bit of a break from it. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. Right? Okay. I'm going to step back and now I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to try to do my hair and I'm going to brush my teeth. Well, I can't even brush my teeth if I'm just actively weeping and grieving. Yes. I can't. So- those little right. breaks. And yeah. then once yeah. you're able yeah. to, which is a different point for everyone too, as far as going back to work, uh -huh. once you're able to have that longer period of time where you can make a commitment where I can do this for a four hour day, a six hour day, an eight hour day, a 10 hour mm -hmm. day, then, mm -hmm. then, you know, you have to kind of trust when you're ready to do that. And it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Little steps at a time. And then they add up to, to bigger leaps you can take. Right. It is nice when your place of employment can give you ways to ease in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was fortunate to have an amazing work family. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people right. aren't, which is heartbreaking in itself, but you know, you couldn't imagine not having that. So it was definitely a blessing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what did they do to help you? So they through the, it was a kind of a smaller county. Um, everybody donated leave yeah. to me and I had three months of paid leave. So I think I had enough leave to stay home six months, Right, but I knew that wasn't good for me. <laughs> I needed to have an outlet and something else to think about. And so I went back to work after three months. They also provided meals and dinners and breakfasts mm -hmm. for, I think an entire month. They, you know, they, brought my son at the time, all kinds of things and gifts and blankets and, you know, just activities. And they came to my house to visit and check in every week, you know, just different people. It's, you know, it was just really amazing. And I remember when I was at the hospital that day, I came out, you know, all those hours later, and I remember the lobby was full. I mean, just packed full of my coworkers and friends and just people they're supporting. And that, that was huge. I'll never forget that. That is huge. That is huge. Yeah. That's so important yeah. to feel that love yeah. and feel that community. Yeah. I think back to even when at the funeral home, you know, for the visitation for Andy. And every time mm -hmm. I got a hug from someone, which I got hundreds of hugs, I mm -hmm. felt like every, each person would take away <laughs> just the teeniest bit of pain and give me just the teeniest bit of comfort. 
right? I mean, I did not realize how much that was needed. Yeah, yeah. By me. I feel so badly for people who lost their kids in the time of the pandemic that did not have that. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That did not have that sense of community because. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done without it. Mm -hmm. It would have been really, really lonely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people are have to deal with that. Unfortunately, it's heartbreaking. And it's, I think that's one thing that we can do, especially with your podcast is, you know, show people you are not alone. Like we are right here, you know, we walk the walk, you know, and it's so nice to be able to hear stories of other people and how they've, how they've dealt with things and kind of give inspiration, encouragement to everyone else that, that really needs it. Well, that that's a good kind of way to transition into how we got together and how yeah. you got on this this show today. So I got this amazing email just randomly here a few weeks ago now asking if I would be interested in giving you a submission for a book, which I, I just want you to go into how the this idea started and just the whole, I don't know, the whole beginnings of so it. So for me, like, I, I I love to write. I've always been a writer, and it's really helped me through my grief just because my mind goes 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, I got to get these things and thoughts on paper. I don't want to forget certain things. I got to write it out. So that's how I just started writing and um, long story short, yeah. you know, I wrote my own book. I've co-authored another one and contributed to like 10 or 12 other books and, you know, being a contributor to many websites, um, and organizations. And I, yeah. I thought, well, you know, over the years I've, I keep, when I started my blog all these years ago, I, I was really thinking, oh my gosh, I have to flood my mind and daily be yeah. intentional about finding the good things out of this yeah. horrible situation. Like I have got to, mm-hmm. to find those little sparkles of hope I've, I, and hang on to them because if you don't go looking for them, they're not just going to fall on your lap. You really have to be intentional about it, I think. And I um, named my blog Grieving Gum, Gum, Gumdrops, The Sweeter Side of Grief. And I thought that's exactly what I needed at the time. And I would write about, you know, all the the good blessings in my life and um, memories of Lydia and just kind of a mixture of things. Um, And then it just kind of gradually progressed into like little bits of hope and my experience and the experience of others anyway, um, into some books and all this other stuff. Um, But what I found was there's so many books on grief um, and child loss out there. And there's so many really good ones. And I thought, you know, my books, my book's great, but it's just one perspective. It's just me, right? You know, and other people, it's just a kind of a, an individual perspective. But when I was in my early grief and I needed some help, I, I read all kinds of books. I ordered everything I could find. Um, and I wanted hope and I needed that. And I wanted someone to tell me it's going to be okay. And I couldn't really find it. I found a lot of, yeah, this is, lifelong tragedy, you know, all this horrible, I mean, realistic stuff about grief, but there was nothing uplifting really or encouraging about it. And so I was like, exactly. Yep. It's a, it's, it's a balance. No, you're right. We definitely need the acknowledgement, you know, and this is painful. This is, this is just the most worst thing ever. It's awful. And mm -hmm. 
Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I think so. I think it's what moms need. I know I would have, I did need that. And I, I, you know, I was <laughs> starving for that. And if I could, you know, read even a 365 day devotional with a little bit of uplifting words every day or acknowledgement, something that would help me keep going every day. Um, so yeah, this book um, is going to be a collaboration of moms. Um, right now, it'll be a 52 week type devotional um, with just some quotes and then, you know, short little essays from each mom and a little bit about their child or children and just kind of what's kept them going and how they came from that deep pit of grief to, you know, kind of seeing the sweeter side a little bit. Well, and I love how you have broken it up into really small kind of pieces too, because these are not long essays. I can't remember what your word limit was because I already wrote for you. Yeah, I think it was 400, 400 words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was either 400 or 450 words. And I, I hit the, I hit that number on the nose when I gave it to you. I can tell you trying to, trying to keep it, keep it down. But sometimes I think that's important because I know for me, like you said, you read everything under the sun. I've talked to so many moms who read everything under the sun. Me, on the other hand, I had a stack of books. Everyone kept giving me books and the books kept stacking higher and higher, but I couldn't even focus to read. I mean, it was difficult for me to be able to focus and read a book, but I thought, wow, this would be perfect because I could have done 400 words for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe yeah, a little short paragraph here and there. And so these short little things to make to give you a little bit of hope without having to read, you know, several chapters or a whole book. It just feels this bite size feeling and having a little Bible verse or a little message of hope a little. I just loved that. I love that part of it. I think it's my favorite part. Mm hmm. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I think so. I think it's what moms need. I know I would have, I did need that. And I, I, you know, I was <laughs> starving for that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, that's why I was so excited to be a part of it, because I thought this is something I think I could have done. And I feel like this is something that would be a great gift to give someone right away. Because a lot of those books, like I've said on this podcast many times, there is a book called Lament for a Son. It's a beautiful book. It's an amazing book. Um, but I got nine copies, you know, I mean, we, we gave, we <laughs> received nine copies of this book because everyone feels like I got to give somebody a book because this is going to be really helpful. Cause I don't, they don't know what to do. Like I have no idea what to do, but you know, Dr. Waltersdorf who wrote this lament for a son, he seemed to know what to do. So, Hey, let's give him a book and try to get through, you know, do something to be able to help. But it can be overwhelming at times. Oh, it, very much so. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking, yeah, this, this will just be a, you know, hopefully a good tool for other moms that are, you know, new on this journey that, that can use a little bit of comfort and encouragement. So how did you start out kind of, you you chose some people to just send out random emails to, because I was one of those people. So over the years in my grief, I've connected with all kinds of uh, moms and people, and I've served on committees, and um, I was you know, steering committee for Compassionate Friends for all these years, and I'm currently on the board of directors for Ellie's Way, is a really great, another resource I love. And I just, I've connected with all these people, and I have a lot of 
friends, I guess, and people who've walked this walk. And I thought, and I see all these people on social media. Wow. They're doing really amazing things to help people. And it, it uplifts me and inspires me just like you. And I'm like, wow, we need to get all of these people, all these great moms and, you know, to together to, to do a project to, you know, bring hope to other people, to other moms, you know, in their dark spaces. And I think that's, I don't know, it makes me happy. I really want to, I'm excited about it. And I, I think there's power in that power in people's stories. And it's such a great healing vessel for others. I I know it was for me hearing stories of other people. Well, and it puts us all in a little community together, right? I mean, it can be such a lonely experience to be a bereaved mom. And when you now are in a project with a bunch of other people who are feeling the exact same thing, wow, that's powerful. That's really powerful. So powerful. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. We're just in the beginning stages of it all, but it'll, I think, um, yes. So tell people how they can find out more or how they might be able to participate. Yeah. Um, let's see. I am on social media under my name's Daphne, Daphne Bach Greer, my maiden and married names, the sweeter side of grief. And also at my website, it's, it's under daphnebachgreer.com or grievinggumdrops.com. Oh, I love that. Grievinggumdrops.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause right now I think you're thinking of trying to get all of the submissions by kind of the middle of January or so, right? So there's not like a huge rush on any of this. But if you want to be a contributor, I think it's a beautiful opportunity to just to be in something bigger than yourself and in this community. So that's the websites. And also through email is my first name, Daphne, and then middle initial B and then Greer at gmail.com. So I'm there or just reach out on social media and send me a message and I'll get back to you. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to connect with whoever and if anybody else wants to be a contributor to this and you know share a little bit about their journey and their child, we'd love to have you. People can reach out to me too, and I can forward things on to Daphne as well if you if you have trouble getting a hold of Daphne. So again, my email is Marcy M-A-R-C-Y at Andy'sMom.com. So if you want to contribute. I can get you to the right place as well. I have the link. And you gave me uh, the power to send it out already to some people. So some of you may have already gotten it from me if I if I get a little pushy. But uh, in general, I just wanted to have Daphne on to be able to open it up to as many people as possible and see what we can all do to just help kind of spread this. So I also want you to talk about your original book a little bit and what that has been and how people could get that information or, you know, follow your blog or things like that too. Mm -hmm. So when did you write that book? I published it in 2019. Okay. It was another thing on my, on my heart, just like, how can I help other people going through this? I'm a big one into connecting with others and, you know, serving others. And it helps me. I think it helps heal me in a way. Yeah. It's just my personality. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, what helped me in my journey? And I wrote down 
some things that really helped me. And the name of my book is 10 secrets to surviving the loss of your child. And I wrote down 10 big things to me that were very helpful and a little bit about how I got there, a little bit about my history and, you know, my daughters weaved in and out of that book as well. But I would say the most, I don't know, there's, there's 10 of them, but the most one, I'll just list, list off the 10 real quick. So you can hear. Okay. (laughs) Um, The first one was breathe, right? Yeah. Learning how to breathe was huge for me as, you know, suffering from anxiety for a long time after this. And it was really essential to overcoming and becoming a healthier me after this and connecting with others. Mm-hmm. Huge. I I think that is absolutely very huge. And next was give it to God. My faith became a huge, the most important propeller, I think, in navigating this grief and being able to survive it. So I, I dive deep in that and my history and a little bit of how times in my life where I wasn't even associated with God and I was going the wrong way and, you know, and how it brought me closer back to God and led me down this path. I talk a little bit about reading distractions and how a little bit about what we talked about, you know, having a break in your grief out of those 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then honoring their memory, your child's memory, I think is huge. And there's so many ways that I've seen amazing moms and dads um, and families do that. So next is bringing joy to others, volunteering, connecting, reaching out, doing what you can do to help. Gratitude is one of my favorites. Um, I really try to focus on that every day, give myself perspective every day, even 15 years later, you know. Mm it's easy to kind of fall back and just into the mundane and, you know, the, I don't know, the dark cloud. And it's like, no, need to keep that perspective. You know, every day's a gift. Look at all these amazing things in life. And then I also talk about sharing your story, sharing your journey. Yeah. So I think that's absolutely huge, powerful healing. It is so healing. Yeah. It is so healing. Yeah. And just saying that, you know, if anyone's listening here and they've thought about wanting to share their story on the podcast, don't hesitate. Yeah. Don't hesitate. It's a healing, beautiful experience to be able to do that. And I love to help people share stories. It so. is. And it's not always easy, though. <laughs> I remember. No, and it's not easy. And it's not easy. But but also don't feel like you have to have done something amazing, like write a book or. Exactly. Yeah. Be doing some huge project. I mean, yep. everyone's story yep. is important and everyone's story is precious. It absolutely. Yeah. Yep, it sure is. Mm-hmm. And their child. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about some of those ways that you honor Lydia? Oh, Lydia. <laughs> yeah, sure. One thing that I really like that my counselor had suggested all these years ago was to sprinkle a little bit of Lydia and her personality throughout the house. Okay. Like instead of keeping her closed door in her room, you know, or confined to a certain spot, it's like, no, like bring her out. Like, so, you know, I had her nail polish on my counter or she had this pink feather boa she would always wear and dress up in. And it was the cutest thing. And so I had that, you know, draped over my curtains, her robe on the back of the bathroom door, you know, all these little things, just little bits of her scattered throughout the house over the years. I've moved since then. I love that. It really helped me. And it was the great piece of advice from her because I was really scared of her closed door in her room after this happened. And it took me five years to clean her mm-hmm. room out. It was, it was hard. It was a thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you look at Andy's room, I'm in it now. Are you? Oh, I love that. This is my podcast room. Yeah. I mean, things are not much different. 
Right. Than when they were. I mean, except obviously there's a desk yeah. and a computer and and the podcasting oh. equipment there now. But you know, a lot of it's the same, and and that's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, this yeah. is just the way we use the space now. And it took me a while to use the space in this way. It's been. Okay. I think it will be close to a mm-hmm. year now that I've done the podcast in mm-hmm. here. I think next month will be a year. And and it feels right now. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel right before that. It just didn't. So, and now it does. Yeah. So every everything just changes over time. But I love that idea of sprinkling Lydia in different places. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I now in my other house, you know, I got pictures of her every, you know, everywhere, just random little things of hers um, that just make me smile and make me remember her. And, you know, it makes you feel close to her that, yeah, she's here. She's with us still. She's still a part of our family. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. So I, I just recently came from a trip from Toronto. I saw uh-huh. my lovely friend Demetra. I got to meet her for the first time. She's a Lenny's mom. And I we got had a wonderful lunch together. I went Uh to see a Lenny's spot at the cemetery. It it was a lovely time. And I showed her this necklace that I'm wearing Uh now. Um and it that's had Andy B still. It's got his thumbprint on it. She was sharing some other things with Lenny's and it's kind of a crazy story. So after I left her, I gave her a hug goodbye. I went mm-hmm. off to meet Eric. And a few hours later, I, I noticed my right earring is missing. And it's oh. this pretty nice earring that my husband had given me. It has some yeah. tiny little diamonds in it. And oh. I just was crushed that I lost this earring and I couldn't find it. And <laughs> I looked in the hotel room and I looked around and I called the place that we'd stayed in the night before and it wasn't anywhere. I sent a message to Demetra saying, maybe look for this earring. And then my husband decided he's going to go down and look in the car and just see if it's in the car. And what's crazy is that Demetra had handed me this grocery bag that had like fruit on it. And because she gave me a bunch of stuff and it was too much stuff for me to carry. So she just threw it in this bag. Well, crazy enough, my earring fell out and at the perfect moment to fall in the grocery bag. Crazy, right? That earring fell in the grocery bag inexplicably. I didn't even remember having that bag on yeah. that right shoulder, but wow. it did. And and so wow. my earring was found. Oh, yay. So, yes. So so it was wonderful. The, the next day we get home and we drove the long trip from Toronto. And then I decided I needed to go on a nice long walk in the neighborhood so I went on a walk. I'm zipping up my coat. I catch my necklace and I felt almost like maybe it broke, but mm-hmm. I checked it with my hand and it seemed totally secure, but I just checked it with one hand, which I was kicking myself then. And I started on this walk and I went on like an hour walk. I walked like three miles through my whole neighborhood, uh, like two, three times through the neighborhood and got home, was around the house for two hours. I all of a sudden feel up to my neck and my necklace is gone. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. So now, again, so I first lost the earring, and now I lost this necklace, and Mm -hmm. this one was devastating, and it's on my birthday. So it's my 50th birthday. I lost lost my necklace that had Andy's thumbprint on it. I'm just crushed. I'm sobbing. It's nighttime. It's dark. It's raining. My husband and I are outside walking the entire neighborhood, outside with 
flashlights. Oh, I don't find it. I look inside. I have to go to work the next day. I don't want to even tell anybody about this lost necklace because I just break down crying. I told my friend Demetra, I told some of my other friends Mm -hmm. in my support group, like pray that this is found. Mm -hmm. The next day I get home from work. I walk the neighborhood. My daughter had walked the neighborhood. We're all looking for this necklace. It's nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. And then my husband comes home and he's going to look through the neighborhood now a fifth time. Oh, Oh, man. He's walking the neighborhood a fifth time. And there sits my necklace in the middle of a cul-de-sac. Oh, my goodness. Like way down on the other side of the neighborhood. Unreal. (laughs) I got it back. I mean, it's just unreal how these things can happen and how, I mean, like, like, thank you, God. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Eleni. I don't know. Thank you for saving this and getting this back to me. Because it was just, I mean, it was crushing to lose something like that. It was so devastating. Mm -hmm. And then yet to have it found, what a blessing. What a blessing. And what are the odds, you know, that you would find that again? Right, right. Especially because I just did the earring thing. And and what oh, was no. so upset, upsetting to me is what I was like, I was paranoid about the earrings, like ever since, right? I lost those earrings. Oh, so yeah. The next two days, all I'm doing is feeling for the earrings. And then when I thought I felt my necklace break, why? And I stopped in my tracks and felt and like, oh, no, I think oh. it's fine. And I tucked it under yeah. my shirt and I think it's fine. But why I didn't like put everything down, stop, feel all the mm-hmm. way around to make sure it was perfect. I was so mad at myself because I was like... <laughs> That's why God made you almost lose the earrings so that when this happened, you would feel everything and you would not let let this necklace be gone. Well, you thought you were feeling it. <laughs> so I was so upset and so devastated. Mm-hmm. And then to have that, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Story of just being taken care of like that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I had like all sorts of people praying that I find this necklace. And I don't know how I walked through the neighborhood. My husband walked through the neighborhood. We looked and looked and looked. And it was only that, you know, fifth time. I think technically only the third time down that cul-de-sac. But the third time down the cul-de-sac. Well, yeah. Before anybody saw this necklace sitting there. That's amazing. Yes. But you do feel then cared for and blessed and... Anyway, it's a story I just kind of wanted to share. It's a beautiful story. And it's, that's one of those little, you know, glimmers of hope, those those little blessings that you keep track of that really add up to a whole bigger picture. Right. Because that meant a lot to me, right? And, yeah. And I'm trying to tell myself that it's just a necklace. And the, and the reason yeah. I started telling you the story is mm-hmm. because when it was gone uh-huh. and I was just devastated and I'm crying and I'm messaging back and forth with Demetra. What she said to me was just think about the fact though, that now Andy, a little bit of Andy is out there. A little bit of Andy is out Uh there somewhere. Yeah. And maybe someone else needs to find that little be still Andy necklace Mm -hmm. and somebody else will be blessed by seeing Andy out there. And that yeah. actually made me be able to sleep that oh, night. Yeah. Was thinking about him being out there. So it yeah. reminded me of Lydia a little bit of you, your yeah. sprinkles of Lydia. Like, mm-hmm. well, 
it's okay that a little bit of Andy was out there. Now, it's way better to me that we found it and that I have it back with Of course, yeah. And I will find other ways to spread Andy. Yes, yes. But it didn't make me think about it. And I thanked her the next day because the next day she said, yeah, I was saying all of those things, but I was freaking out inside with you. Oh, yeah. I was trying to tell you those things to help you calm down. What a good friend. But I really wasn't feeling them myself. And I did say, but honey, that's the only way I slept. The only way I slept Mm -hmm. is by thinking about it in that way. Thinking about this, having little pieces of Andy Mm -hmm. for others. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And those, those little words that had a big impact on you. Right, right. Yeah. And they did have a big mm-hmm. impact on me and they yeah. helped a lot. And it was mm-hmm. just a few little sentences. And so mm-hmm. that I think brings us back to your collaboration, right? And mm-hmm. you having these little 400 word mm-hmm. messages yeah. that will hopefully give a little hope. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I know when I told mine, you know, I talked about that devastation yeah. and then I wrote and yet. And yet. Yes. And Despite yet. all of that. Yes. This is. Yeah. That, that there can be some good and some beauty yeah. that can come and we can live in a community with other people and be able to help and support each other. Right. And I know it's so hard to imagine that in those early days and yes. moments and weeks. It's, you know, you don't want to hear that sometimes. No, uh, sometimes you don't. And it's funny that you said too, because I told you my first week of Starlight, I did not want to go back. You told me your first yeah. week at Compassionate Friends, yes. you did not want to be there. Nope, I did not. But yet, yeah. what? But yet you became some sort of. I kept, I did. Yeah, I kept going back. And it was yeah. and slowly over time, it kind of drew, I was like, it was like a magnet to me. And I, 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 I needed to be around these people, you know, after yeah. a while because they right. knew what I was going through, but yeah, it took quite a while. Right. It's so you yeah. have, you transition from that. I'm yes. not one of these people yes. to, mm-hmm. I am one of these people I am. and I need these people. Yes. Oh, huge. They were absolutely. And they still are. They're some of my greatest friends. Um, Yeah. It's, it's amazing. They, they see perspective in life that, you know, other people don't see and day to day, you know, that's huge when you're having a bad day. Well, and I think, and, and it does change you, right? You're not the same person you were. I'm not the same person I was, but in many ways, I'm a more compassionate person than I was. Yes. hundred percent. Me too. Which you don't like to think about right away. And right. You don't like to think about this could make me better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it has, you know, it has made me, but it, no, but it does really absolutely better in a lot of different ways, you know, which is, dev- right. you know, heartbreaking to think about that, but it's like, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been who I am now. Not, not that we wouldn't trade and go back. Right. I would trade and go back and take Andy back and be a worse person. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think every mother would say that. Yes. Yes. I think we all would say that, but we can't. <laughs> Right. We can't take them. We back. Can't. And since we can't right. take them back, then let's right. make ourselves be better people. Yes. Yeah. It definitely gives you purpose and motivation. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Most definitely. I'm... Well, are there any other things that you feel like you would like to share today? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I just, you know, I love talking to other moms um, and families that that are on the same difficult journey. And I, you know, I just want people to have hope. Yeah. Because I, I know what it's like not to have any. And I know I, I 
I, it just still real upsetting to me. I can go back to those days where I had no hope. Nobody could tell me it was going to be okay, you know, years later. Yeah. And I want to, I want to help spread that encouragement for other people, you know, that they're not alone. There is hope. Yeah. And the earlier you can spread it, the better, I, I think. And, and that's yeah. what kept me going back to starlight really is mm-hmm. the hope and feeling like I just needed that. Um, because that's yeah. what they do. I'm wearing a starlight shirt right now and starlight. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Has hope, the definition of hope. And that is what they're all about, about giving hope. And that's what ultimately kept me going back. That and the fact that Eric loved mm-hmm. it from week one. But <laughs> I kept going back because I felt like there is hope. There is hope. And yeah. I see people that are year ahead of me and they're still mm-hmm. living. They're still making it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you can yeah. see somebody that's a little ahead of mm-hmm. you still getting up every day. Wow. Yes. It means the world. It means the world mm-hmm. to you. It surely yeah, does. it really does. It surely does. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Daphne, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I really love talking to you. Thanks for having me so much. Mm-hmm. For listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com. Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.